0: Welcome to the Rise to the Challenge podcast. Join me today. She's a race announcer, fitness expert, keynote speaker, author, and cancer crusher. It's Fitz Kohler. How you doing today, Fitz?
1: I am spectacular, Alex. So nice to be on your show with you.
0: We're so excited to have you on the show to talk about your rise to the challenge. What we like to do with all of our guests is go right to the beginning, talk about where you're from and what you like doing growing up.
1: I'm from Fort Lauderdale, Florida, and appropriately, I like going to the beach and being dragged behind a boat. and playing sports and getting dirty whenever possible
0: with being dragged by a boat is it inner tubing water skiing like what kind of activity are you doing water
1: skiing is my favorite but I'll take any water sport apparatus anything water 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 skiing first everything else second
0: did your family have a boat growing up
1: no (laughs) (laughs) no you know what you learn in Florida very quickly the best boat to have is your friend's boat so we had lots of friends with boats Never Um, enough,
0: though. It's always about taking advantage of those friendships. If anyone's friends listening, I don't think that way. But it's always the fun pleasure of having those kind of friends.
1: Well, that's right. And then hopefully you have something to reciprocally reward them. Yes, exactly.
0: Did you feel that doing those different activities at a young age taught you something?
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I think sports are one of the best learning tools on planet earth. You learn to win, you learn to lose, you learn to lead, you learn to follow, learn to fall on your face and get injured and come back. I, Yeah, I couldn't speak more highly about sports and my, my upbringing. Gosh, I, I participated in all of them.
0: Did you f- ever feel that it would be something that you would take long terms as a <laughs> career, a path in your life?
1: You know what? I probably wish. So my siblings were excellent soccer and football players. I was mediocre. You know, I love sports, but I was never very good at anything. It wasn't until like uh I came into my own at about twenty-one when I started competitively kickboxing. That's the first time I ever was good at something competitively. Uh so yeah, I mean, I I dreamt of having great athletic success. I just didn't until I did.
0: Was it hard having the siblings be more competitive in those kind of sports when it you were just probably enjoying it for the fun aspect of it?
1: Yeah, you know, I was proud of them. I was excited to support them. I was the little kid sister on the sidelines cheering and so forth. Uh, I never compared our successes, but it was definitely very sad to try out for all sorts of teams in high school. Like, I mean, the teams I got cut from, softball, volleyball, uh, cheerleading. I know there's another one I can't remember, but yeah, I got cut from a lot of things. And eventually I made the cheerleading team. And eventually I just took, I, I joined a team that would take me and mm-hmm. that was track and field. And I, I threw shot put and discus and I wasn't as hardy as many of the girls out there, but I got to wear the uniform and it was really just cool to be a part of a team experience. I love sports.
0: When you weren't making those teams, did you ever feel like quitting? Like, maybe I need to go in a different direction, try something completely different?
1: I did not. I did not. I mean, I was pretty well-versed. I I played an instrument, and I was in student council. I did a lot of things. But when I want something, boy, am I a pain in the ass. I mean, I just <laughs> keep going after it. and uh, Yeah, so I never stopped. I mean, eventually, thankfully, in my senior year... It's funny, my senior year, I made the cheerleading team and they made me captain. Wow. Yeah, after cutting me for three years in a row. And uh, yeah, so perseverance is one of my skills.
0: I like that because I've always grown up where don't quit, like always keep going because you never know what can happen. And if you keep going, enjoy trying to make those teams or try doing those activities. You know, when you make it, it's going to be so worth the the hardship that it took to get to that spot.
1: Yeah, that's actually one of the reasons I really enjoy kickboxing. I mean, the sport itself is very fun. I mean the the I mean putting not the act of putting your foot up towards someone's head and tricking them into moving their head into your foot to create that collision is spectacular. But one of the things that I appreciated most is that uh, I could always play. Like when I showed up, I was first string. It was me because I played on many teams as a kid where I showed up to all the practices and some games I didn't even get to play for five minutes where some of the girls who were just really talented would skip practice and show up and start and play the whole time. And I, you know, I just, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So kickboxing was a a, a self-reliant activity. I was going to sink or swim based off of my efforts. Thankfully, I mostly swam.
0: Growing up, did you have anyone in your life that was a motivator, an inspiration to you?
1: Honestly, I really didn't have anyone within my personal circles that I looked up to and wanted to be like and emulate. Um, Yeah, I, I don't think I really did have any particular strong role models that I aimed to emulate.
0: Do you feel that if you did have one, would it change maybe your trajectory of what you were doing, like the outcomes of maybe sports and activity or a different path?
1: Possibly. I mean, sure. Maybe just, yeah, it's funny. I don't, there was never that one person I wanted to be like, which is actually creates a little bit of a dilemma for a kid. Cause you think, what am I going to be? Mm -hmm. and uh, I had already I started teaching fitness at the age of 15 so I was really young but I didn't figure out that I could turn it into a career until I was maybe 21 because uh, I kept looking at all the other professions and thinking I don't want to do that you know and the reality for someone like me or for me specifically is there was never a job that I could have applied for that would have satisfied me I had to Uh, Create my own path. I had to create my own career based off of my talents and my interests. Uh, And it just didn't exist. So it might have been real much easier (laughs) if I thought, she has a great (laughs) job and I'd like to do that. Instead, I thought, all right, let me figure this out. And here I am.
0: Well, especially at that age where you could think of like the biggest celebrity and be like, oh, I want to be like that person. But at a young age, you don't know how long it took them to get to that spot. Like, if you're saying, I want to be like The Rock. Well, how did he get all the way to that stardom? It takes a lot longer than snap of the finger.
1: Well, you know what's very funny is uh, we had this, I think we had a who's who book in sixth grade, and we, we were supposed to write about ourselves in the future tense. Uh, what What did I do? I won a Grammy for being a <laughs> FYI, I'm I mean, a horrible singer. I love music. I Boy, if I could sing, I could probably make a living because I have all these other stage elements that are pretty darn good. Terrible voice. What was I thinking? But I guess I wasn't. I was like, that looks fun. I'm going to go be a singer, a Grammy award-winning singer, mind you.
0: Hey, you can always win a Grammy. You never know nowadays.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Spoken word Grammy or something. (laughs) I don't know. We'll see. I'll work on that.
0: You talked about fitness being, you finally figured out that you can make it as a career with education. Did you go to college? Did you have an idea of what you wanted to pursue? Or did you go straight right into the workforce?
1: So uh started teaching fitness at 15. You don't really require much to do it. I mean, most, most people get some sort of cert- certificate out of a jack box. I went to a weekend course and read a book and I got a certification, um, but I was actually planning on going to law school. So uh, not that I wanted to be a lawyer, uh, but my favorite thing on in the world is freedom, and my other favorite thing is being an American. I love this country. I love the Constitution and the opportunity to serve and show appreciation for all of the men and women who had um, sacrificed it seemed like a really good idea, considered the military and then i thought well no you'd be too chicken to stand in front of a bunch of guys with guns right so maybe the mm-hmm. military's not for you and then i thought well i'd like to run for office if you're a public servant you have the power to do good things and so i decided yeah i'd like to run for the governor of florida one day i'm a native i'm still here it's ah the great sunshine state you know i'm very proud to be here and I naively thought back in the day that in order to be a politician, you had to be a lawyer, and okay. nobody set me straight. Nobody did. So I was at the end of my undergraduate career. I had a uh, my my major was political science at the University of Florida, and I was planning on going to law school. And at the very last semester, now mind you, even though I had been teaching fitness for many years, I had taught fitness in Europe, I taught fitness on television. I was damn good and very successful with it. I still thought, well, you can't make a career out of that. You got to do this other thing. So I took this career planning class and the teacher made us all make a top 10 list of things we love to do. Top 10 things, top 10 list of things we hated to do. And uh, on the top of my love list, top three things were number one was sports and fitness. Number two was music. Number three was helping people. Nerdy, but those were my top three on my love list. On the top of my hate list, Number one was sit down. And number two was read. And what do attorneys do all day?
0: (laughs) Sit down and read.
1: (laughs) Sit and read. And so I'm looking at these papers going, ah, crap. So I ditched law school. And I looked at this love list. And I thought, well, dummy, you're already doing what you love, what you want to do. How do you turn this into a career? And the reality is fitness, for most people, is a terrible professional decision. It's filled with part-time work, teaching classes here and there, personal training here and there. I mean, even when I was doing personal training and charging $150 a session, you still never have a sick day. You never have a vacation day. It's Mm -hmm. not a good career. The way I do it is a wonderful career. But that's how I had to figure out, how do I turn this into this job into a profession? I earned my master's degree. I went back to school. I got my master's in exercise and sports sciences. And then I built a career based off of mass media, public speaking. Uh, at only, consumers can only buy my services in a few ways. They can buy my books, my online courses, my DVDs. Other than that, corporations pay my salary, which is really how I prefer it.
0: At the beginning of your fitness teaching journey, do you have a moment that sticks out to you that was like shocking? Like, how did I get here to do this?
1: Uh Not a how did I get here, but one of my greatest aha moments was when I transitioned to television, so uh really enjoyed the live class experience. I mean, especially when I was teaching at u f what you know, I'd get a room full of sixty college students and we I, we could play vulgar rap music and it was rockets <laughs> and the windows would fog up from the sweat and the heat. It was so great and uh then this TV producer was cat- casting for a show, and I auditioned and he hired me. And I had two great moments there. Number one is I learned that my skills were transferable to a, t- to a camera, you know, teaching to on television was just as comfortable as teaching in a classroom. And then the other aha moment was when uh, the show started airing and I would, you know, go do stuff around town and strangers would come up and say, are you fits? I am, <gasps> I've been watching your show. I do it every time it's on and I've lost 17 pounds wow. or I do your show all the time and my back doesn't hurt. And I can't tell you how powerful those moments were. I mean, I know those people probably felt like silly for talking to me, but they were, it was so meaningful. And the fact that I got to help strangers, you know, so helping these 50 people in a classroom was really cool. And I was very proud of that. And I enjoyed it. When I got on television, I could help thousands or millions at a time. And that knocked my socks off. That really convinced me that, this is fitness is what I'm passionate about. This is what I want to do. And that's how I want to do it.
0: Did you feel like a local celebrity when going around town, people <laughs> recognizing you?
1: You know what? Uh, I'm not an actress or a singer. I don't do any of the cool things that people really, uh, what's the word? Um, go a little gaga over. I feel <laughs> like I'm everybody's friend, right? I feel mm-hmm. like they they know me and they're like, oh, she's fun and she's silly and You know, we do pushups together or whatever. I don't don't know if celebrity is the right word. It's nice to be well-known and appreciated.
0: Especially with fitness and people appreciate because it's hard for people to admit that to a trainer, you help so much and you're making an impact in their life, but they don't realize that as the trainer, they're making an impact to you because they are supporting what you love to do every single day.
1: You you know, it's uh, It's funny. randomly people reach out and say, just want to let you know, my husband hasn't been talking about it, but he's lost a hundred pounds using your exact formula for weight loss. And I want you to learn. I want you to know that you had an impact on him. And I always say, thank you. That makes me feel like a valuable professional, like a valid, uh, in, like I'm valid. It, it validates what I do. So yeah, those those experiences are so meaningful. And, um, you know, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I'm not the star of the show the the people that I work for or work with, they're the stars of the show. I'm, I'm their, uh, their information source.
0: As a trainer, was there ever a time that it was hard or challenging that you faced?
1: Uh, no, no, it's always been awesome. I've maybe, you know, when I broke my foot once, I had to work on crutches. I was kind of tricky, Ooh. but I figured it out. I figured it out. So no, nothing's ever been challenging for me in fitness. It's always been awesome.
0: Did you ever always think about that next step? How can I get farther? Like, what can I do differently that maybe no one has ever seen before or challenging myself as a trainer to come up with something new?
1: Yeah. So I'm constantly motivated for more. I want more. Always, I want more people. Um, No matter how many people I reach, I will feel like a failure for those that I did not reach. Mm -hmm. Uh, My role model as a grown-up is Jack LaLanne, and I don't know if you remember him, but he's ancient and he's dead. (laughs) But he was—they call him the the Godfather of Fitness—and and he he was that household name. People knew Jack, and and they knew him because he was helping them. And so, if I fall short. Uh, in my lifetime of household name status, well, I w- will have failed dramatically because that means I haven't reached everybody. Right. Um, so pushing the envelope, I get these ideas, you know, it, it's when my kids were very, very little, my daughter was in kindergarten and one of her friends was running before school and the mom we'd meet up for mommy stuff and she'd say, Oh, Aiden is running before school. And I kept thinking, Oh, that's such a good idea. I wish Ginger could do it. I wish Ginger could do it. I wish Ginger and Parker do it. She kept bragging about it, and then one day my fitness thing kicked in, and I thought, "Well, gosh, I wish all kids could do that. That's actually genius. That's a solution to so many of the problems we have." So I decided to create a before-school walking running program. It's called the Morning Mile. It's in over 400 schools worldwide, and these kids have run millions of miles, and their families, and the faculties. We've been able to get so many little people and grownups up and active, it's incredible and hopefully create lifelong habits. So that's something I wanted more with, um, you know, with the cancer nonsense, I hit a point where I was, uh, I hit rock bottom. Like I had lost 11% of my weight and 80% of my strength. And, you know, I had this moment in the gym where I finally really, I knew I was weak. But I sat down my, was my skeletally skin, thin body and my bald head. And I was so proud to go back in the gym and try again. I tried to lift the amount of weight that I had lifted previously. And it didn't budge. And I had to keep lowering the weight and lowering. And, I, and what ended up is I could only lift 20% of that previous amount. And I thought two things. Number one, I thought, well, I know exactly how I'm going to build this back up. I, have, I knew it in my head. I had this beautifully designed program to go from weak and pathetic to strong and athletic. And I did it. And I, I ran the Boston Marathon a little over a year after finishing chemo and radiation and all this stuff. But the other thought I had at that moment was, oh my God, can you can you imagine what it would be like if I weren't a fitness expert? If mm-hmm. I had hit rock bottom, if I was a shell of my former self and I had no way to dig myself out of this hole, that would be devastating. That would be defeating. I might've run home from the gym crying and spent the next day in bed. And so I what do I do with those moments is I was like, all right, I'm going to help people. And so that's how these next two books, your healthy cancer come back and the healthy cancer comeback journal were born because I just couldn't stomach the idea of people not knowing how to rebuild their bodies. And, you know, cancer's brutal. The care is brutal. And there are no resources like these. So, so yeah, I push the envelope based on the needs, the holes, the gaping holes that I find.
0: As we mentioned at the top of the episode, cancer crusher, Yeah. going before the diagnosis, did anyone notice changes? Because you talked about hitting the rock bottom, having them change the weights because you couldn't perform at the level that you were working out at. Did anyone notice any differences before then?
1: Before my diagnosis? Yes. No, because cancer never made me sick. It was the treatment that beat me up. So I uh, I had a clean mammogram. And then seven weeks later, I found a sizey tumor in my breast. And it had already spread to three lymph nodes. I just happened to have this really crazy aggressive form that uh, maybe when I walked out of my mammogram, I got to the parking lot. This one cell went boom, went rogue and started spreading like wildfire but I wasn't sick. I mean, I found a lump, but I felt great. I didn't start feeling bad until they started injecting bags and bags of poison into me. And then things went downhill dramatically. But yeah, there was, there was nothing wrong with me. Cancer never made me sick.
0: For someone that's listening that might be going through a journey with cancer. What would you tell them to stay motivated, stay positive, keep fighting any way they can?
1: Yeah. So you have to, you have to, because, uh, you get no extra points for being the most miserable person in the room. And if you don't pursue life during cancer, all you are is sick. And then listen closely, all you will be is sick. And I don't say that to make you feel sad. I say that to kick you in the cam- can and inspire you to do better. So, I had um, I had these mental tactics, my three P's, I call them, and then I had the physical tactics. And uh, you know, if you want, I I'll go into them
0: hmm. Sure.
1: Yeah. So first of all, uh, you know, I definitely thought I was going to die. I was terrified. And, and, you know, more so than losing my life, I was terrified of not being with my kids as they grew up. That was that was it. I was losing their life. So it was very stressful and scary. But my doctor convinced me I was going to survive. I just had to endure the cure. So um, I recruited perspective, which has always been my right hand man. You know, before my diagnosis, I used to always say, oh, it's not cancer. And so no matter what went wrong, traffic jam or, you know, late reservation or whatever it is, I would just, ah, it's not cancer. And not get over it. Well, this time it was cancer. And so what could the better spin be? Well, for me, I was very fortunate that I wasn't a child with cancer. Because as you can imagine, that's got to be the worst thing to be like a cute three year old kid with cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was so grateful it wasn't my kid with cancer. And so for that, I decided to be grateful and put on my big girl panties and uh, make it through you know, do whatever I had to do to figure it out, to get through it. Um, Number two, I chose to pursue my passion. So where if I would have taken a year off and just stayed in bed for a year and a half, because I had chemo for 15 months, um, nobody would have blamed me, but I would have blamed me. Two things. I had wonderful kids and uh, I was not going to miss out on their special events. So before I started treatment, I decided if they had a sport, a ceremony or a show, I was going to be there. I was not going to let cancer take time from me and my kids, especially the special times. And then the other thing I decided is I was not going to let cancer take my career. Now, if I had taken a year and a half off, fitness would be dead. I might be alive, but my brand would be dead. My business would have fizzled out. I earned my rightful spot on those very coveted stages I stand on, on these extraordinary events surrounded by thousands of incredible people. I earned my right there and cancer wasn't going to take that. And so I committed to doing my job uh, full out, no matter what. And so I was beaten up. I was brutalized by treatment. I was violently ill for five months in a row. I had IV fluids almost every day for five months at home and when I went out of town just to keep me upright. But I never missed a minute of work. And magically, when I would show up at an event, you know, quite often I'd get there. The travel days were really difficult. I'd get to where I was going, sleep the night, and uh, quite often I would sleep on the hotel bathroom floor. The room was spinning and it was awful. And then at 4.30 in the morning, my alarm would go off. I would drag myself up and get myself dressed and I would drag myself over to the start line. And then the second I stood on those stages, surrounded by those awesome people, every single thing that was wrong with me disappeared. All of my sickness all of my pain, all of the problems. I mean, it was just me and my bald head and all these wonderful people. We were gonna have a great day and we had a great day every single time. And if I had chosen to stay home and hide out and, and lie in bed all the day, all I would have been was sick. But instead, I got my butt up and I, I figured it out and uh, I got to be full force Fitz Kohler again as long as I had a human out on those courses I was focused on them. Now, mind you, when the last finisher crossed, I would shut down in some very ugly ways, but it was awesome, right? So um, my kids, they were worth it every single time. My career was worth it every single time. And in fact, uh, instead of my business dying during that nightmarish chemo experience or cancer experience, my business tripled. So I made some really good decisions there. And then I also chose to be positive because Again, you don't get any extra points. Now, did I cry? I cried probably every single day. It was hard. It was stressful. Uh, it, it, it was unbearable at times, but I would get the cry out. I would sit in my car alone and cry or cry alone in my bathroom. And then I would dry my tears and I would figure out a way to have a smile, right? If somebody said something funny, I allowed myself to have a laugh. I kept my animals close, my dog, my bestie. I had a duck at the time. She was, a, she was a ray of sunshine. So... You know the the secret here is not to be immortal, to not be anything less than human, but to uh, to do the things that will keep some some inspiration, some vibrancy in your life. Yes, I know you're sick. I know it's hard. I know it's horrible, I, and I've been there. And I can I have the cancer street cred, so I can say it. You will do better if you do something, something like even if you're just watching. Cute animal videos on your phone. Incorporate the things you love in your life. Watch your favorite sport, keep your favorite music on, read your favorite books, just force in joy, or it can be a really negative experience, right? And then on the physical side, you know, there is study after study that shows that exercise and nutrition and quality sleep and those complementary cares like acupuncture, massage therapy, and counseling can help you get to remission and can help prevent recurrence you actually have a lot of control now i uh, i definitely would be dead without chemo without radiation without surgery i'm not suggesting don't use those western medicine tools but control the things you can you know when you build your immune system through exercise and nutrition and rest will you make your body a far more hostile environment for cancer cells yeah let's make it a hostile environment and on the flip side don't put crap in your body that's going to make you weaker and sicker you know processed foods processed meats alcohol cigarettes duh like come on let's make your body the strongest it's ever been if you didn't care about health before your diagnosis well the second you're told you have cancer nothing matters to you other than health or not much right that's becomes your first thing so you know i i get it if you're if you're sick well then stretch in bed. and and i i love I'm really proud of your healthy cancer comeback, but it's chapter seven for me as a fitness expert that I'm so excited about because there's hundreds of photos with, with instructions. And you know, the first um, batch is exercises anybody can do with weights and bands or are just your body weight, but then we go into uh, okay, you can't stand up right now for whatever reason. Here's exercises you can do in a chair, and there's a lot of things you can do in a chair, okay? And now let's say. You don't want to sit in a chair. You're just stuck in bed. Okay. Well, here's some strength training and stretches you can do in bed. And there's (laughs) photos and instructions. And then, okay, you're going to be like, for me, I had to take showers multiple times a day because I was sick. And uh, I would always stretch in the shower. I'd put on my favorite music and I would stretch. And because of that, I didn't, I didn't bear the burdens of um, stiffness and, inflexibility and you know nobody ever says oh my back is stiff stiff and means it in a good way Mm -hmm. right they're not like oh this (laughs) back is great you know so you know even if you're just in even if you just had surgery there's probably some stretches you can do so it's about doing something not being perfect but all those little things add up and Mm -hmm. uh and and that's for a cancer patient and that's for a regular non-cancer patient too so hopefully everyone hears that message and you know, does something positive with it.
0: And you talked about just now that the concepts of someone that's going through cancer can correlate with someone who doesn't, is not going through it. And it shows that we can all work together. We can all do similar things, no matter what we're going through. And I think that's what's special. And even like you just said, where I was just talking to a friend about working out where you can sit in on a couch and do stuff. There's like equipment, like resistance bands and stuff that If you're not feeling up to it to go lift weights and stuff, there's so many different ways that you can still feel confident, feel that passion of working out no matter what is going on in your life.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, number one, where there's a will, there's a way. If you care, if you want to achieve, you'll figure it out, right? And um, yeah, it's even the small efforts add up. Some people say, well, I can't do a marathon, so I'm not going to run. All right. Well, that's probably the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You know, like run to the mailbox. Okay, if you can run to the mailbox, nobody's telling you you have to do a marathon if you run or fine. If you don't like running at all, swim, dance, do karate. I don't care. Just do something. It's it's about achieving health. It's not about being a world class runner. It's just about getting healthy and fit. And, you know, nothing shines a spotlight on health more than illness or injury and you know nobody gets out unscathed so my big crisis was cancer somebody else might deal with ms or they may you know get in an atv accident and break many bones and have to rehab that so you know whatever it is it's important for you to prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when illness or injury will strike and if you are fit going into crisis you're probably less likely to be less harmed and then you will rebound and recover far more quickly if you were healthy going into that crisis.
0: Do you feel after crushing cancer that you can do anything you put your mind to and that nothing's going to become an obstacle because you have the power and strength and will to complete anything you put your mind towards?
1: Okay, so this is interesting. And I probably sound obnoxious to some people, but I never doubted what I, you know, I'm I'm. There's that Marvel character, Juggernaut. He's this this guy with a steel helmet. He crashes through brick walls. My (laughs) attitude has always been like, okay, tell me no. I'll go through you. Fine. Fine. Try and stop me. And so (laughs) the good thing is that, um, thank goodness for society that everything I want is really good for society. Like, I don't have a mean bone in my body. So I'm (laughs) like, okay, you're going to give me a hard time. I'm going to get those kids moving in the mornings, whether you like it or not. So... I I never doubted myself. I have probably overinflated confidence, but um the thing that cancer really gave me is an enhanced sense of fearlessness. So, um I don't have any shame anymore. I mean, I am happy to sing karaoke in a at the Super Bowl show and I have a terrible voice. <laughs> I just don't care what people think about me, and if somebody offers up any smidgen of athletic adventure or anything that will make me laugh, I say, sure, why not? Because it's not cancer.
0: Yeah. What's your go-to karaoke song then?
1: Well, it depends uh, on the day. Uh, (laughs) in Baton Rouge by Garth Brooks is the most saucy, fun thing. However, uh, Friends in Low Places is the thing that gets everybody in the bar or restaurant singing along, so... Probably Friends in Low Places would be the biggest home run for me. What about you?
0: So I just, the funny thing you asked that. So my go-to song is What is Love by Hathaway.
1: Okay. I had
0: kind of the, um, the one that where it goes, uh, uh, uh uh Yeah,
1: uh. not that one.
0: No, that one. Oh, that, like, okay. That that's the that one song. I was thinking. Of. I was like, I, I <laughs> had to like do something where I don't get copyrighted because they're like, why are you singing the song on the episode? But that's why I did the head movement because everyone knows from that Will Ferrell. No.
1: Oh, yeah. The Will Night Ferrell. Night the Roxbury. Movement.
0: Yes. I never remember the movie, but that is just a fun song. I mean, for me, that song was way before I was born, but I enjoyed those classic songs from the 80s and 90s because- they have so much history and such so nostalgia nowadays. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, I've never heard anyone sing that karaoke. I would love to hear you sing wow. that karaoke.
0: I don't, I couldn't remember with the last time I went karaoke, but I'll probably after this interview, I'll start singing right after it, the song.
1: <laughs> so a little sidebar is in May, I announced the Fargo Marathon. And, and Fargo Marathon, the, the big races happen on Saturday. Most races do the marathon Sunday, which means people either... Um, fly home immediately after, or they get up right early in the morning to fly out. And so Saturday night means a lot of people stick around. We went out in Fargo, which one would not imagine to be the coolest go out place, but it had a great <laughs> downtown and we had a few beers and I'm not a big drinker, but this night I decided to have a few and uh, I put my name in for karaoke for Colin Baton Rouge. And in hindsight, I'm so grateful they did not call my name because I had a few beers, <laughs> <laughs> and there were so many runners still there and they knew who the noisy announcer lady was. And I feel like that would have gone viral, at least in the running community. So I got off uh, scut-free because they did not call me my name by the time I left. So,
0: Looking at all the races you have announced, is there a special one or a unique one that you've had a fun experience at?
1: Well. They're all special and all unique. So I could give you a little brief lowdown on a few of my favorites. So uh, the Los Angeles Marathon is spectacular because it's a monster. It's huge. It's just ginormous, almost 30,000 athletes and so much joy, so much crazy L.A. joy. It lives up to its expectations. The Buffalo Marathon is the most patriotic race that I announce. Everything's red and white and blue. It's on Memorial Day weekend, and there's just a real... Patriotic feel and they have baby races and the ruffalo stampede, the dog race. Oh Yeah, so cute. Uh big Sur Marathon in California is breathtaking and it feels like you're at a fancy golf tournament. It's just very posh. Um, the Donna National Marathon finished breast cancer in Jacksonville in February is an absolute love fest. It's just I get um, so last year was the first year I announced that race, and we had hundreds of women who and men who had uh, had or had survived breast cancer. And uh, it just was really meaningful to me to be able to take care of them. And so my commitment is no, no one who has done this cancer thing gets through the finish line without being acknowledged and adored by me. And boy, I worked so hard chasing them down to hug every last one of them and make it royal stink. And it's just such a love fast. So um, I, 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 announced dozens throughout the year. I could go on, but I'll stick with those. Four <laughs> Has
0: there ever been a race that you've ever wanted to compete in or at least try and complete?
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I am an athlete. I do run races. So are you talking about the ones that I announce?
0: Yeah. Like, do you ever get that urge where you're like, I just want to get out there and join <laughs> everyone and, Right. So,
1: so sometimes, so sometimes, I think like, wow, that would be really cool. Big Sur, for for example, is just is so beautiful. I drive the course. I I get on the course in a car and I get to see it. <laughs> but um, but I really would never ever step off the stage because I I adore what I do so much that giving it up to participate just wouldn't be worth it.
0: Is there a past experience that has given you the confidence and the drive to be so confident when you're on that stage? Is there a a certain item that was it maybe when you were on TV at a young age and that gave you kind of that confidence when you're on stage announcing?
1: Uh, You know, what's interesting is everything I do is cumulative. And even though I do a variety of things, sometimes I just say I'm a one trick pony. Right. I make uh I make happy noise and boss people around to help them live better and longer. So um where my confidence comes in is uh actual expertise of content and repetition. I have I mean I've probably spent a million hours on a microphone. So if I'm not gonna be confident do it doing it, well then who can be? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just the fact that I've done it so much. And you know how some people have fear of public speaking? Yes. At this point, I have fear of not public speaking. And love <laughs> it it's my it's my connection with humans and oh, in, in any capacity, whether it's TV, radio, this podcast or keynotes and stuff. It's just I love connecting with people.
0: I think that's the the way what I love about doing this show is the connection where we never met, but we can find that energy where we can connect and learn more about each other and find similarities. And that's what listeners love is they can not relate to anything of that person. But there's something that guest says that they're like, I've gone through that. I've utilized that in my life. And that just shows the connection that we all have, which we may not know.
1: Yeah. And you know what, Alex, this is the thing where I think these podcasts are really valuable is we can all win. I truly believe that everybody can find their own version of success and their own health. You know, we can all be our best version of healthy. We can all be happy. We can all have great careers. There's there's no rule that says somebody has to fail.
0: No, I totally agree. I think what I always live by this motto rise to the challenge where you talked about earlier where nothing's going to stop you. I And if someone tells me no, I'm like, okay, I'll show you that I can do it. Because I hate being doubted on. I always prove to myself that I can do that. And I'm going to show people that I can.
1: Yeah. And you know what? The other really um, key thing that I keep in my mind is what you think of me is none of my business. Yeah. So I never uh make decisions based off of other people's opinions whether they're strangers or whether they're um family members i just do the things that i want to do and you know who my my most critical judge is is uh, that girl in the mirror man she's a tyrant so <laughs> i'm i'm after her approval and that's enough
0: as a keynote speaker What is the biggest mission or message you try to share to the public or listeners that are listening to you?
1: You know, it varies because every audience is different. And so, um, it, it always varies. You know, some company will say, Hey, we want you to come and talk about, uh, using athletics as a form of success or a a very fitness oriented Mm -hmm. presentation. And then some people really need that mental kick in the can my uh, my three P's is a very popular you know pushing the envelope with the three P's it's called uh, but yeah really what I want people to walk away with is that mental fortitude and those three P's are a big big one yep. and uh, and then that your health matters and you can achieve it it's all very doable this is attainable and that's where I talk about fitness is how can I make it understandable? You know, I'll talk about fitness in a way where they nod their head and say, okay, well, that makes sense to me. Understandable. Then we go attainable. Mm-hmm. So I'm not asking them to do something unrealistic. They all say, okay, well, I can do that. And then last but not least fun. And I think the fun goes a long way because if people are enjoying themselves, they're they're more likely to stick with it.
0: A lot of our listeners like to learn even more personal about our guests. As we talked about your career and journey what does Fitz like to do nowadays? What do you like to do on a weekday, a weekend with your family, friends? What kind of things do you like to do?
1: Okay. So I start, when I'm at home, I start every day at the dog park. I love my dogos. They're my best friends and they're so easy. And we just have very fun, a lot of fun together. So my dogs, we go to the dog park and we do dog walking. I like being outside. I have a, a hammock and a swing and a couch on my back porch and my backyard. So I'm out a lot. I, I really enjoy working on my computer and I just choose to do it outside. I love water sports. I love exercise. I don't really enjoy going to the movies anymore. My friends, my family, <laughs> my family goes to the movies and I only, I'll show up if it's like a Marvel movie. If if Thor is there, I'll show up to a movie, but um yeah, I, I'm I'm less and less enjoying going out for meals. You know, I eat food off the counter. Like oh, it's a banana, it's a potato or whatever. I, I I'd rather spend time with people doing stuff. And usually that's walking on a trail or going to the dog park. So I'm <laughs> pretty boring. That's that's my answer. That's what I like. The dog park.
0: My mom's gonna love your answer about the Marvel movies because she'll go. Like we went to Universal, where were we? Oh, Universal Studios. And she's obsessed with Chris Evans and Captain America. And she's like, well, it's not him. So I don't want to go see. They had like the people that you could take photos with. And she got, she was going to hate me for saying this, but it's not that person. It's not Chris Evans. I don't want to see him or if it's on a t-shirt or something. But when you said that, I go, oh, my mom's going to love that answer.
1: Well, the Chris's are great. And you know, what's so funny is I was, and Chris Hemsworth is a spectacular human for many reasons, but I would say Chris Hemsworth is my boyfriend, but as Thor, like if he were my boyfriend, he would have to wear the Thor gear all the time and just dig that hammer and the whole, the whole giddy up. So yeah, you and your mom, your mom and I should go stalk the Chris's and make them
0: She'd be on the first plane out. She could
1: wait, wait.
0: You talked about like, you don't like going to the movies and you like being that outdoors. And I've been similar like that also, where the movies don't interest me because nowadays you can just go on Netflix or a streaming platform. But I have been trying to enjoy being outside where my friend and I, we found, we try to go to different trails, different hiking spots and just enjoy because we get to bond at the same time, but you just get to see like nature and we've been on times where we've been above the cliffs looking over the tree line and it's just breathtaking and it's like make the most out of every opportunity that you get cuz a lot of memories come from those
1: i i agree you know it's not about just being outside is like you said multitasking how can i accomplish a variety of things at once and so outside you know what i do i i i am a loner i, I Spent a lot of time alone, um, but I'm also a learner. I'm a nonfiction nerd. So I always have audiobooks or podcasts playing just so I can walk and listen and be with the dogs. And uh, yeah, I just I'm constantly trying to absorb information to um, be better as a self-published author. I have this great resource, Julie Broad with Book Launchers. She's made hundreds of these little mini videos teaching you tips and tricks for self-publishing she's genius she you can also hire her to do all of that all of the work but I'd rather not farm that out she still she gives me the information for free all of us and I can't tell you how many miles I have done <laughs> walking with the dogs listening to Julie and her little uh, her little episodes but they're really helpful really helpful So yeah multitask hang out with a friend on the go and get fresh air.
0: Do you have any goals that you have set for yourself in the next few years, both personally and professionally?
1: I do. I do. So, uh, I have some obnoxious keynote goals. So I've, I've hit a certain level and I'm very proud of myself for hitting a certain level, but there's a few bars I'm looking forward to achieving in that regard. Uh, I have, this third and fourth book coming out that, you know, which will round out the cancer comeback series. I don't know if there'll be another book. We'll see. I mean, maybe if something speaks to me, um, but after that, there will be a, a a fitness book for the masses. Uh, so that's, that's on that list. And then um, I head to England in a couple of weeks to speak, and I'm hoping to pick up a couple of uh, race announcing opportunities in Europe. I think that would be fun to, Branch out in that regard.
0: Is this the first time you've been to Europe, or is this no been there before?
1: Yeah, I have. I've I've done a few interesting things. I talk I taught fitness on a cruise ship when I was twenty. Wow! And we sailed through every country in Scandinavia, Russia, Estonia. So that was pretty cool. I lived in England for quite a bit. Taught fitness over there. Scotland, Ireland is my favorite company country. And where else? I think I did some work in Germany and Switzerland too. So I, I've been around. So I'm looking forward to going back.
0: When you're doing the fitness classes and stuff, do you get to enjoy being a tourist for those areas? Do you make it a mission to explore? Cause you talked about you like learning. Did you make it a mission at that time to learn?
1: Well, you know, it's so crazy. I mean, when I go to England, um, I am hired. They, they, they have me on a stage for 30 minutes. That's my obligation wow 30 minutes yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> i no. so i'll stick around and be involved just because i want to um but i could walk out of there and do xyz whatever i want to so i'm, I'm actually going to be there for a week i'll do a little press for the books and um then yeah i'm going to take advantage usually when i travel for uh, races for example um There's the DC superhero run series I've been announcing. And this year we had eight stops all over the country and uh, they were on Sunday morning. So I would arrive Saturday morning. Usually I go to the zoo. There's a theme here. I'm an animal nut. Apparently I go to the zoo, St. Louis zoo, Dallas zoo. I just go to the zoo, maybe see some other things, have dinner with a friend, get to bed early, you know, uh, announce a race and then fly directly home. So I try to make, Uh, time and make use of a new place by seeing something interesting. So yeah, I'll I'll travel. I'll I'll sightsee for sure.
0: The final question I'll ask you for someone that's listening to this interview based on your journey and experience, what tips or advice would you give them to overcome obstacles, accomplish their goals and rise to the challenge?
1: Well, I think the most important message for me to share is to prepare your body to do battle today because you never know when illness or injury will strike. And the healthier you are today, uh, the less harm you might incur and the quicker you will rebound. Your, your, Your health is, you know, getting to 90 sounds like a really great goal. But getting to 90 and not being able to get out of bed sounds like a... A sentence, Mm -hmm. not an opportunity. So please just do better. Do something to be better today. Push the envelope a little bit tomorrow. And uh, eventually you might get to a place where you feel really great and uh, you're feeling really good. You deserve that.
0: Fitz, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and talking about your rise to the challenge. You're inspiring so many people and we're excited to see what the future looks like for you.
1: You're awesome, Alex. This has been a really fun conversation. Thank you.
0: Tune in next time. Hear my next guest talk about their rise in the challenge. Remember to follow and subscribe on all major audio platforms. And make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel for the full length episode of the video format. What paths do you take to accomplish your goals? You decide.